fiery clashes between police and protesters in Paris last night. Demonstrators burned cars and garbage, furious over France's widely unpopular pension overhaul. But since the start of the year, the proposals triggered nationwide protests and multiple major strikes. Strike. These are the words on everybody's mind and everybody's lips. Labor is coming back. People are organizing together and all over the world, stopping going to work, throwing off their hats, flipping their name tags in the air, and not going to work, shutting down industry. They told us once and for all who was truly important, not based on who got a billion dollar bailout, but by who they said was essential, who had to go on working or society would collapse. They told us that, <laughs> they gave us that information, that we know who the most necessary, highest leverage people are, the people who have the most power in society. That very small group of people that absolutely fucking had to go on working through COVID, who risked their lives and died in a pandemic because of it, and got nothing, but they, they got called heroes. Congratulations, you're heroes. Those people, those workers, dishwashers, dock workers, nurses, not uh, lightspeed traders, not uh, insurance salesmen, not politicians, <laughs> certainly not them, they went on vacation. It's workers. Workers keep the society moving, and without them, it all grinds to a halt. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is our power. And that's the topic of today's episode with the very, very great Professor Richard Wolf. Rick, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly did. I wasn't able to attend as I'm off on a adventure in South America, fighting with indigenous land defenders in a very different but totally interconnected struggle of this battle against capitalism. So I'm going to introduce Amanda. Of course, we all know Amanda. She's the heart and soul of our whole operation. And two wonderful labor activists from the general strike group that just popped into our discord server one day and started rallying people started organizing started saying hey we need to come together and do this we need to do something about it so without further ado labor strikes back And we have the opportunity to rethink everything. This is a show about the systemic problems in our world. And the real solutions we have today. To transition from an apocalyptic storm of war, scarcity, and ecological collapse. To create an abundantly advanced collaborative society. That sustains all life. You may think it's an impossible dream. But the alternative is an inevitable nightmare. We're your hosts, Matt Holton, Amanda Smith, and Zachary Marlowe. And together, we can move past this economic absurdity and come together to actualize our collective potential to create something completely new. We are Mindless Society. Society. 
Hello, Professor Wolf. Thank you for making time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today. And welcome back to the Moneyless Society podcast. Uh, as we reiterate on the podcast often, we're here to build relationships, friendships. We're here to exemplify a true sense of camaraderie, build a community that gives way to effectual mutual aid so that we can feasibly transition out of this world into a better one, the one that we all here envision. As much as I would love to spend uh, several minutes just talking to you as a friend and another person reminding you of your inherent value as a person. Uh, I know you have time restraints and we all do. So we'll just jump into the why we're here today. And that is to discuss the general strike in France. Now we're going to try and do it from a base one approach because here in America, for whatever reason, people still seem to be struggling with uh, how to wield the weight of their, their labor power. And here with us today to try and change that reality is Lauren and Eliza of the General Strike U.S. movement. And that's a growing and diverse community of people, uh, as you would guess, uh, supporting the uh, liberation of the working class, but um, through unconventional demands, uh, not your typical reform, which is precisely why Moneyless Society is so excited to be working with them in this capacity to help them get the word out. Uh, and that word being essentially the American working class has a choice and in fact an obligation to themselves as workers who are being uh, neglected and abused, exploited, uh, to their families who are subsequently being deprived, to their children who are growing up in these horribly oppressive labor systems, and to future generations, of course, all of which could be alleviated of wage slavery and uh, scarcity-based economics, the two things that deprive the majority of life's most basic needs while propping up the 1% with all the wealth and resources, aka inequality. So having said that, I would like to refer to your most uh, recent commentary, Professor Wolf, um, on your economic update playlist, uh, Democracy at Work YouTube. Uh, all of those goodies will be linked in the description, of course. Um, I had three key takeaways from that regarding the uh, effectualness of the organizing and execution of the general strike in France so far. And those three things were uh, interesting. Uh, first point, uh, the fact that there's an allyship among all the main unions in France. Uh, that's great because what you end up with is an entity of sorts, which is more formidable to the powers that be versus individuals trying to coalesce and stand their ground against the beast, right? And then the second one being the inclusion of anti-capitalist, which uh, is uh, somewhat new, uh, arguably. And that gives way to the third point, which would seem to be a mass uh, awareness or acceptance uh, that capitalist hegemony influence has taken seed in their government and around the world, uh, leading to the real that capitalism is a problem and any reform passed down through capitalist power structures uh, is of course nothing more than a profit serving platitude. Now that segues wonderfully I think into our first point being presented by Eliza here. Eliza and Lauren, welcome again and thank you for being here to help us have this powerful discussion. Thank you so much. I'm Eliza. I'm a former SEIU labor organizer currently building towards a U.S. general strike here with Lauren, and we're just so honored to be here. Um, we know we're all here together because so many of our problems in our society are tied to capitalism. Companies succeed by cutting wages and exploiting workers and our environment to maximize profit. And this is no new thing. Black slaves built our economy, and we see the effects of this racist capitalist system in so many of our institutions. Our healthcare system is designed to benefit pharmaceutical companies over patients. We have a housing crisis because there's more money in luxury housing than affordable infrastructure. So at the general strike, 
our goal is to fix these problems by coming together first as workers. And that's why we say the workers united against the system will never be defeated. So Professor Wolf, um, from your work, what do you see are the main ways capitalism is failing working people? Well, first of all, thank you all for inviting me to be part of this. Uh, I'm honored. I mean that very seriously and pleased to be working with you towards what I know are shared objectives and shared goals. So for me, the answer is the following. Capitalism did its thing. That is, it replaced feudalism. It replaced slavery. Those were systems that could arguably be said to be worse. And so there was a kind of progress. There was a kind of moving forward by, for example, preventing human beings from owning one another, as in slavery, or from abusing the mass of people, as in feudalism. Capitalism, when it comes into existence in the 17th and 18th century, was very clear to claim that it was a better system than the slavery that it replaced or the feudalism that it replaced. And in some ways it was, but in, and this is crucial now, in some ways it wasn't. Let me explain. In slavery, a tiny group of people called masters have all the power and accumulate most of the wealth and they lord it over, notice my word, they lord it over the mass of people who are slaves, who do the work. Feudalism is different. Nobody can be the property of anybody else in feudalism. But it's similar because a tiny group of people, the lords, the land, the lords of the land, run everything, and the mass of people called serfs in Europe do the work. Now we come to capitalism, and while it's better than feudalism and slavery in a number of ways, there aren't a mass of serfs, there aren't slaves, we still have something that's similar, a tiny group of people at the top with a new name, employers, and a mass of people who do the work with their new name too. They're not serfs, they're not slaves, they're employees. And that difference isn't a big one. The employers get all the power and assume most of the wealth. And the mass of people have very little power, particularly at the workplace, and get by barely with wages that are always being picked at, as Eliza just pointed out. So for me, the problem of capitalism is we can do a lot better and there's no reason that we shouldn't, that the same spirit of doing better that led to the slaves saying no more slavery and the serfs saying no more serfdom, that's what we're talking about in getting the employees to say the same thing about capitalism. We celebrate the slaves who knew we could do better and worked hard to get that or the serfs who knew we could do better and worked hard to get that. And I think we ought to celebrate a working class of employees who understand we can do better and are striving uh, to do that. Another way, to be brief, 
capitalism has some seriously flawed qualities. Let me give you just a couple, because I'm an economics professor, this is the sort of stuff I have to know. Every four to seven years, wherever capitalism has settled in the world, there's been an economic downturn. We have a lot of words for it, a crash, a recession, a depression, a boom-bust cycle, a lot of other terms. You know why we have a lot of terms? Because it never goes away. In the 350 years that capitalism spread from England to all over the world, it never stopped having every four to seven years, on average, a crash. And a crash means millions of people are thrown out of work, not because they don't need a job, not because they aren't doing a good job, but because the system crashes. Businesses go out of business. Nobody can pay taxes because if you're unemployed, where are you going to get the money to do it? So the governments can't do stuff because the private sector has collapsed. So the government's supposed to help us in a downturn, actually can't help us in a downturn because it hasn't got the money to do it. This is a crazy system. We don't want, that's not efficient. That's not a system we should bow down to. Even the capitalists know that stinks. That's why they've developed every mechanism they can think of to cope with these crashes. That's why the government rushes in, because they have been unable to stop it. And so all they can do is try to make it a little less horrible than it could otherwise have been, last a little less long than it otherwise did. And despite that, here in this new century, in 2008 and 9, we had the second worst crash of our system. And in 2020, we had the th second or third, they're neck and neck. Only things worse than that was the 100 years ago Great Depression of the 1930s. The system is, to use the honest word, extremely unstable. When I give lectures to students, I, at this point, I break in and I look across the podium at them and I say, if you lived with a roommate as unstable as capitalism, you would have moved out long ago. Well, moving out is what I'm talking about and what you are working toward and more power to you. And the other thing, I mean, I'll stop with this, is that capitalism is extremely unequal. I mean, look at this. We have... People like Jeffrey, I don't mean this personally. I don't know Jeffrey Bezos. I don't know uh, the Tesla guy. It doesn't matter. But they are in control of tens or even hundreds of billions of dollars. One man. What is this? The, the people of the world have enormous needs. They're not being met. Meanwhile, this guy's sitting around trying to figure out what ship he can send off into space in order to amuse himself with the silly money he has. This isn't fun. This isn't a re reasonable. And I think we could go on and on. But capitalism, for me, is something about which I feel this. We can do better than that. Quick interruption, this will just take 30 seconds. Come on, don't skip it now. This is a shout out to the people who make this show possible. Not the rat bastards who invented capitalism <laughs> several hundred or thousand years ago and uh, you know threw us all into this mess that we have to sort it out, but to our patrons who make this possible. I literally live on mutual aid only. I live on donations. I live on the kindness of strangers. I live on whatever this crazy world wants to throw me for doing this radical work. And all of us here at Moneyless Society, because it takes a village to do this, to run our social media pages, which you should follow and like and subscribe and all of that, to run this channel, to run a volunteer group, to try to do things, to run projects, to actually put food in people's mouths 
and connect people with people to do what we're talking about, starting small. So our patrons uh, really help us out and make this possible. Literally saving, like, saving me at certain times when I had no money, like the Patreon supporters that we have who believe in this show, not just the show, but the vision behind it, a larger vision of us beyond money, of us helping us, of a future that we live in together and that we create. Uh, I just want to thank Alex Vito Fornino, Alex Fink, two Alexes, uh, Matthew B. Little, and Ryan Kronowski. You guys personally helped me humongously on this crazy expedition, like running out of money in South America. Like I was saved by our patrons. So subscribe on Patreon. It really means a lot. Uh, join our Discord groups. Join, reach out. Join our organization. Like get involved. We're doing a ton of great stuff. Get the Moneyless Society book. Get the Moneyless Society book. Get your ass educated. Go deeper. Watch more of our shows. Go like this goes way further than this conversation. There are so many solutions. There is an ocean of alternatives, and we are just taking our little pinky toe and putting it in there. Anyway, back to our regularly scheduled radical programming. Thank you guys. Love you all so much. Over and out. Lovely, and everything I think we could have hoped to have heard from you. Uh, on that note, we'll pass it over to Lauren. You're on. Thank you, Professor Wolf. That was so awesome to hear. And thank you for being with us. Um, next, we, so we've laid out some of the key problems as you see them. And so I wanna just talk about what is the solution here. Right. Um, under the system in which we all live, capitalism, uh, we at the general strike, and I think we might be aligned here, feel that our labor is one of our greatest powers uh, in controlling our futures. And when I say we, I mean people who have to work to survive. Uh, we create the goods and the services which make the 1%, the CEOs, the bosses wealthy. If we wanna change the way we live, we have to change our behavior. If we stop working, we stop the system that is running us over every day. Um, I really believe that we need a strike to take back our power and remind those in charge that we exist and we deserve our fair share of the pie. And at the general strike, we believe that a strike is necessary to get us there. So from your perspective, what role does a general strike play in improving the lives of working people? And how can the general strike be a tool to move us towards a more just system? Okay. I'm glad to, uh, to try to give you uh, that as an abstract idea. But before I do, let me assure you that it is more than an abstract idea, even though that's what we're going to be talking about. It's abstract because we're not quite there yet in the United States, as I'm sure you know better than I do. But in France, the country, my father was born in France. I've been, I speak French since I've been a child, uh, and I follow what goes on there. In effect, they've had a general strike for many weeks now. They have all their unions are together, and the students have joined them, and the population is behind them. The polling of independent polling companies indicates that between 65 and 70 percent of the French people have been steadfastly behind uh, this strike, this, these actions, demonstrations, strikes, all kinds of range of activities, but showing that the majority of the people are saying something very profound. Namely this, and this is not properly reported in the American press. The French government, the ruling class of the French businesses, has made a mess of the French economy. And one sh 
One dimension of that mess is the broken budget. They spend more money than they tax. It's a little bit like the United States in that regard. Okay, and they've been borrowing a lot of money, building up the country's debt, kind of like the United States. And they don't want to keep doing that because that's costly. That If you keep raising the debt, then you have to tax your people more and more to pay off the interest on that debt to whoever you borrowed the money from. It's a simple rule of the capitalist economic system. So they wanted to stop borrowing money. And they had to come up, therefore, with another way to manage their budget. And they came up with one. They're going to deprive elderly workers who normally, under French law for decades, have the right to retire at age 62, say to them, you cannot retire, even if you have paid into your pension in their equivalent of the social security system for your entire working life. You've made all your plans. You've arranged where you live, your relationship to your children, all the rest to retire at 62. No, President Macron says you won't be able to. We're going to keep you working another two years until you're 64. During those years, you will be putting money in to the pension program, like all workers do, instead of pulling money out. In simple English, solve the problem that the ruling class messed up its budget on the backs of the working class. And everyone in France knows it. You can't hide it. You know why? Because all the language of the big fancy press making it look like in the words of President Macron, we are reforming the pension system. No, you're not. You're ripping it off because they have socialist and communist and anti-capitalist newspapers and schools. They can give a different interpretation. And so the people of France get, oh, yeah, they're taking away my pension. And they're fighting back. And the French government is shaking like this. Around the world, many countries have decided that the French government's not going to be there much longer. So they have taken the notion that a general strike, we won't do business as usual. We won't either go to work or we'll stand in the street or we'll, the, the French have been standing in front of the trains in the station so the trains can't go in and out. They're taking a whole host of steps. And those steps are teaching a profound lesson that you all have to take to the American people. If the workers don't cooperate, this system stops. It's a recognition of the power. If you have that power, which the American working class does, then the only remaining step is to show everybody that you have that power, to make the power real. And the way to do that and to make the capitalist, the employer class, sit up and pay attention is to withhold your labor. Look, the pandemic taught this to Americans. In a, in a weird way, suddenly every employer realized if my workers don't come to work because it's too dangerous, I have to have a mask, you know, we were all terrified of COVID-19, I can have the most beautiful machines, the most beautiful workplace, the most fantastic shrubbery around it. I don't get anything done. I don't make a nickel. There's no profit. There's no nothing. The one thing I can't do without are the workers. 
not only the workers that I employ, but the workers who made those machines that I need. Those are just other workers. This, this experience, if you can develop it, of going and saying, we're not going to give you our labor until you give us the respect, the income, the conditions of work that a decent life at this point in human history entitles us to. And we have the power to make that point. And you know, you have to worry. They have power too. They have the power of the police and the military. They have the power of controlling the media. Those are powerful tools. Not enough to defeat us, but powerful. And we therefore have to organize to do it. But I think you've chosen a right time historically. Because look, I mean... This morning, all the writers who make movies and all the writers who do those television program scripts, they just did what millions of workers. We've all been reading about Starbucks and Amazon and even my colleagues, college teachers around the country are going on strike. They are withholding their labor and they're getting incredible settlements. Not always, not every struggle is won, but often enough that it's a clear sign that's a way to go. And those people haven't gotten the kinds of gains they're getting now by not striking over the last 10 years. That's part of why they're striking now. They've built up needs that have gone unmet. So I think it's, it's, it, you're at the point where you can honestly say to yourself, it's your time in history. It's the time of this working class. It has every right to complain about an economic system that can't provide them with food at an affordable price or adequate housing or the medical care that ought to be a birthright of everybody. You know, my family is French. I was a professor at the University of Paris for a while some years ago. When I got my job as a professor, I got a little card. Whenever you go to a doctor or a medical clinic or a laboratory to get a strep test or whatever you might have to get, you show your card. You don't pay anybody any money. There is no money. There are no insurance companies that can tell you you can do this, but you can't do that. Or if you want that, you have to pay a deductible. Or you have None of that. It's just, and, and they, when you ask the French, why not? They say, because that would insult your personality. It's a humiliation. What do you, of course, if you're injured, if you're sick, we take care of you. It's like we clean up uh, the beautiful parks of Paris so that when you want to go with your child and get an ice cream, it's a beautiful place with lovely flowers. Of course it is. We're not going to let there be, you know, uh, garbage strewn on the meadow because that destroys the experience, the lives we lead. Well, medical care is the same thing as is housing, as is food. Instead, in capitalism, you leave those things in the hands of people who tell you honestly, profit is why we're in business. Profit is the bottom line. I take them at their word, but I don't want the food of this community or the housing of this community or the medical care of this community to be handled by people whose objective is something else. That's the problem. And that's why we can do better than capitalism and withholding our labor, a major tool to get us into that direction. 
I'm sure we couldn't all agree more with that. Now, in the last segment of our discussion here, um, I'm going to try and help us wrap up with two micro points. Well, one's larger, arguably. Uh, before we run out of time, though, I want to go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, the, one of the things that these ladies here are employing with the community they're building, the, the, the movement they're trying to catalyze, um, is called a journal strike card. And in case you haven't heard of it, and for all of our listeners, this journal strike card is something that you can employ on your own website with your own groups, but also individually, you can just simply sign it. And and that's the first step of your dedication to this movement and participating in it as, hey, someone who is on board with helping build the mutual aid that's needed to make it effectual and just, you know, learn and spread the word and whatnot. So, of course, we would all here like to invite you to take a look at the journal strike card, Professor Wolf, and see if you'd be inclined to sign one. I'm sure that would uh, put a lot of momentum into uh, what they're trying to do here. Um, but we'll be sure to share the link with you. Yeah, please send it to me. I would be very interested, both in terms of myself and democracy at work and our radio and videos and all that. Uh, definitely, we would be very interested. Awesome. That's what I call solidarity. So we'll be sure and hook you up with that link. Now, moving on and in conclusion, uh, as noted by both Eliza and especially Lauren, it's about solutions at this point. We've talked about a general strike. We've talked about taking our lives back, making the wages that we deserve, having access to basic needs for decades. And now at this point in time in history with a momentum that has been catalyzed by France and uh, not so uh, long ago, India, uh, you know, we have this opportunity to, to uh, pardon the pun, capitalize on this momentum and actually get somewhere uh, with this movement. Um, I think it comes down to a really ground level of logistics. Uh, so from your perspective and your understanding of what's going on in France, what are the solutions people are employing there to sustain their strike? Uh, what, uh, what level is mutual aid, grassroots mutual aid playing uh, a part in this uh, success so far? Uh, is it a, a matter of uh, these unions that are involved, uh, you know, supplying and meeting needs? Uh, is, is it like a collaboration of many entities? Uh, there's so many questions, and I'll just stop there because we'd all like to know what is the single most effective and powerful tool we could use to get this thing off the ground here in America? Well, I think the answer, I don't know, it, it, it may trouble you, I don't know, but let me tell you the answer for France. <laughs> And then we can all struggle to see how we have to adjust it for the different conditions of the United States. It's not France, a different country. France is a revolutionary country. It celebrates its revolution in the way that the United States does not. We have the 4th of July. We set off fireworks and, you know, and we have a, a parade of, of old cars or something. In France, this notion that we are a revolutionary nation is really taught in a thousand little different ways. And the, the result of that is when social issues arise, French people think about going into the street. They think about it as a natural, necessary way to remind what is called in French le patronat, the, the patron, you know, the, the people at the top, the big business people, etc., etc., to remind them we're here, and just like we overthrew the old regime in the French Revolution, we can do that again, and don't you forget it. They do that. They have a feeling about that. Now, then the question becomes, why do they sustain that feeling? And here is where I have to tell you. 
organization. You know, like you have developed that card and you see that as a way. You're trying to build an organization. If you keep track of who's sympathetic to that card and you have a mailing list and you keep it, that's what it is. But the French have been doing it for a hundred years. They have a very well-organized communist party. It's small now, but it's very well organized. And even if you're not in the Communist Party, somebody in your neighborhood or your workplace or your school or your family is. And so you've learned how they work. They have a Communist Party person. And by the way, the Socialist Party, which is bigger in France usually, not right now, but usually, they do the same thing. And, and other parties do it too. There's a whole procedure. You know, I remember one sitting in the living room of my family, uh, and, and the phone rings, and the father went and answered the phone, came back into the living room, and there were a bunch of us there, and he said, oh, in this case, it was the Socialist Party of France. That's the local guy who I know who's in that party, and he knows that this family is sympathetic. So he called, and he said, look, we're having a demonstration at the Champs-Élysées, that's one of the great avenues of Paris, and it's about um, daycare, money for uh, for parents who need to have a place for their little children to go. And the government was cutting back on the budget, and the left said, no, 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 you're not going to do that. So here's the Socialist Party. He calls a family on a Sunday afternoon, and the father comes in. He says they need two people from this household. Who's going to go? Mama and Papa, or Mama and Daughter, or Papa and Cousin, some two. And I said, really, you have to go? He said, yes, we have to go. You know why? Because every so often we need something, and we call the Socialist Party. We need a sign changed on the road because there have been car accidents, or they're going too fast. Or we need help with somebody who hasn't got a job and needs a little help. We call the party, and they come over, and they take notes, and they go to work. They may not get it every time. But we have real, we got a problem. We can go somewhere, you know. We can make an, and there are meetings where we can go and talk about a political activity. And if people do it, then other, these are networks. Every socialist party activist has 20 families that she or he is in touch with. And this is organization. And then you want to call a demonstration of 50,000 people in three days? Nobody in the United States can do that because we don't have the organization. In France, half a dozen movements can do that because they're organized. In America, here's the sad thing. We have an enormous left-wing part of our population. Those are the millions who, who responded to Bernie Sanders or AOC or any of the others. They're there, they're just not organized. That's what we need, we need to say to them, look, Instead of always feeling you're the odd left person in the environment, isolated, lonely, weak, get together. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you feel stronger because you will be stronger. Not everything the group does you'll agree with, of course, but who cares? They don't agree with everything either, but the things you get make that organization worthwhile. If we do that, we will be in a position to translate the potential power of the working class into real power.
Well, amen to that. That's absolutely everything I think we all needed to hear. The reminder that uh, we're all interconnected, be it uh, we may be from different uh, parties, uh, political ideologies, even religions and whatnot. We've got to get that common ground uh, determined and get on it and stay there. Uh, I don't know that you have time to continue. Uh, we're, we're happy to have you uh, continue with anything you'd like to add. I personally wanted to throw in there a question about, do you see the withholding of labor being the most powerful asset we have today, but also in contrast to the age-old occupation, uh, the occupying of uh, you know entities and establishments and whatnot? Well, I do have to run, but let me give a, a, an answer to that uh, particular question. And, and I say this with real humility. If I had been approached by the people who organized Occupy Wall Street, if hypothetically, this didn't happen, but if it had happened that a few months before they took over the Zuccotti Park in downtown New York, they had come to me and said, here's what we're planning to do. We're going to set up these tents in the park. I would have said to them, what's the point? And no one's going to care. No one's going to pay any attention. You'll be looked at by kooks uh, as if you are kooks and all of that. I would have been completely wrong. I would, so I'm very hesitant to give advice because, to be honest with you, I don't think my advice is that good. I young people that went into those parks and threw up those tents understood something. Even if they couldn't put it into words, they understood this might work. We'll never know unless we try. Let's give it a shot. And boom, in five weeks, 300 cities around the country followed them. It was an opening of enormous importance in American history. I mean, that's not an argument to go do anything. But it's an argument that you never know until it's over when you were geniuses and figured out the right way uh, uh, to go. So whether it's a card about a general strike or yet something else, it's probably the case that you shouldn't follow anybody's advice. Ask people, get some input, think about it, be respectful. But if you have a sense of something that might work, give it a try. The worst that'll happen is that it won't, and then you'll try something else. What distinguishes people like you is that you're, you're committed. You're going to try. And even if it doesn't work, you're going to try again. And eventually, look, in France, before the pandemic, a few people protested a rise in the fuel tax to fill up your car with gas. And to symbolize, they took the yellow jacket. In France, it's the law. You have to have in the, in the trunk of your car certain safety things in case you have a roadside accident. One of them is a yellow jacket that reflects oncoming light. So if you have a problem at night, a car coming up, the reflection from that jacket will show the driver to be careful because there are people in the street. And the guy thought, that's something we all have in common. Every French person has to have that thing in his or her car. So it's a, it's a uniform. Who would have thought that? Put the yellow jacket on. Beautiful. It becomes an incredible movement that was the prehearsal, the rehearsal for what we're seeing in France now. So have the confidence in yourself. If you have the commitment, the worst that will happen is you'll discover that what you tried isn't the thing right now, and you'll go on and try another. 
There are millions of people out there looking for a way to express how they feel with others. You are the people showing how that might be done. That's an invaluable service. Well, on that note, you and your team are obviously making immeasurable impacts on society and individuals alike. We thank you again very much for being here with us today, Professor, and for extending your time a little bit, too. We'll be in touch. Thanks again so much. It was great seeing you, Professor, and I hope we talk again really soon. There are some who are asking why we would need a general strike. I was simply asked to read this by a friend. She said that she is a single mother of four, and she is being crushed by stagnating wages and rising prices. I myself am experiencing the exact same thing. I'm making $18 an hour. My monthly income is halved by rent, but just rent alone. And I'm not alone. I know many of you out there are suffering the same exact situation. And that is why we need a general strike. So please join us. Generalstrikeus.com there will be a link down below. Look, I have not been posting a lot because I have been incredibly tired. I know a lot of you guys are tired too. Uh, you know, we've got stagnant wages and the cost of living has increased astronomically and there's no end in sight. So I wanted to let you guys know that there is a strike being organized. You can go to generalstrikeus.com and check out the page. Uh, sign the sign the strike card. Uh, all we're doing is we're staying home. There's no need to head to the streets. Um, if you need aid, you can check out through mutual aids in your local community, or um, I believe there are some links on that website as well. Um, I am tired. I know you guys are tired. It's time to rise up. It's time to do something because enough is enough. It's time to stand up. We've done it before in the US and we can do it again. We can come together to affect change. Hey you, ever been interested in joining the general strike or figuring out what's up with mutual aid and how to do it? We have a live tonight on this channel, 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you're interested, please join. We're gonna have a lot of fun. A lot of my comrades and allies are talking about why they're ready for a general strike and I wanted to throw my hat in the ring. If I had to choose a certain point, honestly just be some time in 2020 when everything was falling apart but this has been a long time coming for me my whole life has been nothing but watching me my friends and my loved ones struggle fight and then basically not get anywhere and not improve and then every attempt to try and get the government to change things or make things better just blows up falls apart or you know just loses steam Every single fucking part of this society is broken. It's top to bottom, flawed, and failed. And the only way it's going to change is if we pull together as the people who do everything every day and fucking say enough is enough. Hi, I'm Beth from Taylor, Michigan. I'm done being overworked and underpaid. The pandemic was unacceptable. The inequality we face every day is unacceptable. Please join us for a general strike so we can live in peace and harmony. I can never get this out fast enough. My name is Sarah. I will put my TikTok username up or something, whatever. I hate America. If you're on TikTok, you know why I hate America. If you're seeing this video, you're on TikTok, so I don't need to explain it because I don't have the time. It's getting bad, it's getting scary. Every marginalized group is fighting for their lives right now. If you're tired of it, if you want to see change, if you want to help, please go to the general strike us.com and sign the strike card if you are able to participate in the strike i know not everybody can 
um, but if you are, please do so. If you're not, don't feel bad. There are other ways that you can make change, but if you can help, please, please do so and please participate in the strike because something needs to change, like, soon. Soon something needs to change fast because it's getting scary over here. Have you noticed things are getting out of hand? It's almost like it's all some master plan. Have you noticed things are getting tense with all of these coincidences? You must admit it's getting out of hand. Have you noticed something's always feeling wrong? Something's out of place and doesn't quite belong. If you've been sitting on the fence and need a friend who is intense, then visit General Strike US.com. Peace, family. It's been a lot of talk about why we need to have a General Strike. So, in response to that, I'll be reading off words from friends to help justify why we need to create solidarity and bring about change. I, as an 18 year old, have grown to realize that our system is broken. It's broken in a way that it can hardly be fixed and I've come to believe that a general strike is the best course of action to find in a solution, as well as to bring more socialist ideas to the government's eyes. Better wages, free housing, maternity leave, and free health care, etc. Uh, this is another one. Because 65% of Americans are on the borderline of homelessness. Because I work a good union job and my wife has her own small company and we still can't afford a house for my two kids. Listen, either we keep complying or we challenge the system. I challenge you today to get involved www.generalstrikeus.com They don't want our solidarity. Listen, we don't need charity. We need solidarity. We need stronger communities. We need to share resources. We need to share skill sets. Either we keep complying or we challenge the system, but I promise you, there's no remedy within the system. I'm going to read from the speech that I gave in 2020. First speech I ever gave with Chris Walls and a whole bunch of other activists in an intersectional cohort of environmental, labor, homeless, and general pissed off at the state of the world activists at Jeff Bezos' lawn. This was the birth of my activism. This was, this was the first true thing I ever said. It's easy to feel alone in the face of a faceless bureaucracy, a mass of corporate money and militarized police domination when you're just one person. But together, even though it's a rigged game, we hold all the cards. They can't beat all of us. They can't tear gas all of us. They can't kill all of us. They need us. They need us far more than we need them. Never forget that. What we are proposing can't be done alone. It can't be done today. It can't be done conveniently or quickly through your phone. It's a movement. It's a commitment. It's going to take solidarity and collective action like we have never seen. Those who have resources will have to share them as the most vulnerable take the greatest risk. If there's one thing I've learned from the unhoused, it's that life goes on without money. And if we take care of each other, we can even thrive without their system. 
if we create networks of support and activate the power of the people to stop the wheels for even a day, the damage to their system will be incalculable. This idea was seeded in my brain when a friend told me that during the solar eclipse years ago, corporations lost billions of dollars just from people stopping for six minutes and looking at the sky. Think of what we could do in even one day of no shopping, even one day of no working, even one day of capitalists not being able to get their triple macchiato. If they're going to choke us out in the streets and burn our forests, we're going to take their oxygen, the money that fuels their death drive. We don't just want safer slavery. We don't want higher wages and shorter lives. We want our lives back. We want our planet back and a real say in how it's run and taken care of, how the abundance it produces can provide for all of us, not some of us, and kick this idiotic addiction to profit and actualize our human potential collectively together here forevermore into a beautiful future, not a, a horrible nightmare that we slog through each day with caffeine and sugar and energy drinks and Adderall. We don't want longer chains. We don't just want more money. We don't just want to be in charge of the death machine. We want freedom. We don't want domination. We want equality. We don't want revenge. We want justice. We want a future. We want to play a part in transforming our world, not into the compromised gulag of unilateral poverty of body and spirit, but an abundant and advanced society where our technology and collective actualized potential frees us, all of us, from the oppression of forced labor and liberates us, all of us, to transform our world, all of our world, from one of war and scarcity and destruction into a beautiful dream of love and kindness, of sharing and community, of something that we're all proud of because we're not alienated from it. It's ours. It's something we created to make life better, not from the finite and shallow well of profit or the fear of dying hungry in the streets, but from the infinite wellspring of human kindness, our intrinsic desire to help one another, to innovate and play and explore and share and create and express our inborn compassion, imagination, and love for all life. All the pain and terror in the world right now is the pregnant Mother Earth in labor with the new world being born. I have never been more cynical about our institutions or optimistic in humanity, in all of us getting it the fuck together, organizing, finding the others, coming together and stopping this silly process where we're living like individuals all running around with our heads, like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to figure out how to eat, trying to figure out how to serve yourself, to sell yourself to a corporation so you don't starve. Come together, form cooperatives, form housing co-ops, form mutual aid networks, form discussion groups. Come together and ask people in your community when you need something. Don't just go to a corporation. Don't just take on more debt. Exit their system. Not just in organized mass action. We're not going to get there unless we build up to this together in a trillion acts of mutual aid, of community, of connectivity, of service to each other. But we can do this. We can. It's really obvious. There's so many more of us than there are of them. And there's so much more to gain than there is to lose. So tangible call to action, just hop in our Discord group like these brilliant activists, these labor activists that just found us, saw us, heard what we were saying, said we like it, said we're with it, and joined up with us, and now we're with them, and they're with us. 
and we're going to find more people and we're going to keep growing and we're going to keep expanding. Reach out, join our group. If you like what we say, if you like this message, be a part of it. Reach out. This, is the, this, isn't, this isn't over when the screen ends and you like and share and subscribe and donate to our Patreon and all that stuff that we really need you to do because this is our labor and it's a labor of love. Check out our other videos. If you came here, if you just came here for Richard Wolf, I don't blame you, but uh, we have a whole lot of other br brilliant guests and speakers and topics and episodes. We are breaking down the system in a fundamentally new way and paving a new path forward, really. A new path, a new system, a new way of thinking, a new us. All right.